Praise God. Let's give him some praise for a few more moments. Oh, come on. Let's give him glory and honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're a mighty God. You're a holy God. Come on. Let's take a few moments. If you feel like jumping, go ahead and jump. If you feel like clapping your hands, give, you, give God a great hand clap of praise. If you feel like shouting, do it with a voice of triumph. God is so good. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. Thank you all for being here tonight and, uh, and being in the presence of the Lord. How many enjoys what they feel when we come to the house of God? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Christian. Uh, we're going to have some handouts uh, that are going to be coming around. Hopefully you've been getting ready and excited for our first financial February. Uh, what we have a mandate to do as a church, uh, we love to feel. Amen. Anybody love to feel? We love to feel, and uh, it's great to feel. But we also have a mandate to think, hallelujah, and to teach every aspect of life and of godliness. And uh, we have a very firm foundation of doctrine, holiness, all these different things. And, and we're going to continue to build on those foundations. And I was challenged by Bishop Wilmoth about a year and a half ago uh, to, to teach to bless the whole man. Amen? The whole man. And it is holy to be whole. Amen? And so part of this that we're going to be doing, and uh, if we get it, make sure all the adults get one first, and then we'll get it, make sure they can have, kids can have one too, at least uh, young people. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about finances, and we're going we're gonna to break open a few ideas, concepts. This by no means is going to be a uh, in-depth where we get through everything. Finances is much like marriage. You never get it all the way figured out. Amen. You just do your best to learn and to grow. And uh, how many would like, we're talking about the overflow this year. How many would like their financial life to be an overflow? Amen. How many would like to be better? I know I would. I, I, I know that I'm teaching here tonight, but I want to admit on the outset of this, there are things that I can do better. And uh, the more I think about this, the more I talk about this, uh, this is a subject along with leadership, marriage, uh, all these different things. That uh, So you know what I do as your pastor. I'm consistently reading and gleaning and listening and getting advice because I want to be better. Amen. Does anybody want to be better? Amen. I think that should be our desire to continually be better in Jesus' name. Um, and so what we're going to do here is we're going to have you be seated in Jesus' name. Uh, looks like they've got you some pens. They've got, uh, they've got some handouts. Please, on the outset of this, I, I had to make a split-second decision on whether or not I was going to give a printout. And I realized that sometimes there's a lot of information that is given and it's not always retained. Uh, but I want to do better as your pastor to give you something you can take home and something tangible uh, that you can, you can grab a hold of. So please have mercy on me. I know there's some people out there that are really big on grammar. Uh, I had to change the format from how I would normally do it to something that's a little easier for you to look at. And so uh, have a little mercy on me on that. But uh, we're going to get through this. And then we're going to have a time of fellowship. Uh, and there's going to be some snacks provided uh, in that back fellowship room uh, that was remodeled this last year. And uh, please stay. If you can't uh, gather all together in that room, uh, at least come out here or uh, at least say hello to somebody before you walk out the door. And somebody said amen. amen. Hallelujah. Financial Foundations 101. Finances is one of those topics that often makes people uncomfortable. And... As humans, we like to avoid topics that make us uncomfortable because they're challenging. Uh, we don't understand all that there is. And so we tend to bring about a mindset of avoidance. But money and finance does not have to be one of those topics that you are uncomfortable about. 
as with most things, knowledge empowers us. Jesus put it this way, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And people have only relegated that to salvation. But gravity is a truth. Amen. And uh, hopefully if you have a revelation of the truth of gravity, you won't try to jump off of your house. Hallelujah. It'll just liberate you from a hospital bill. But the same is true when it comes to financial truths. There are truths that we can all glean from. Now, I will say this on the outset. There are a lot of opinions. And uh, I don't want to get into opinions. You and I might have a different opinion. Some things are opinion-based, and I will do my best over the next little bit to let you know what is an opinion and what is 1 plus 1 equals 2. There's some things that you can't uh, debate about because they're just fact. And somebody said amen. So this week, we're going to get into financial foundations. I'm going to give a, a brief overview, and, uh, and then I've got a few questions that some people wrote. But also, if at any point you have a question that comes to your mind, you can write it down on that little piece of paper. You can also raise your hand, and Brother Lavin's going to bring you by a note card, and you can write it down. If I feel that it is appropriate, uh, I'll answer it. But to give you a heads up, next week, we're going to be talking about credit, all things credit. How do I build credit? How do I rebuild credit? Um, what about loans? How do I get a loan? How do I refinance a loan? So I've got a lot of questions that people ask, and there have been great questions that have been put in that box in the back, and I really appreciate it uh, because that lets me know that people are really, they really have questions, and I want to do my best to cater to those uh, that have those kinds of questions. Now, everybody in this room is on a different level, okay? There's some that are in retirement. There's some that don't have a job yet. So we're going to have to do this pretty broad. And so you might have a very specific question. It might be something you and I can talk about. And somebody said amen. All right, let's do a, a financial health checkup. These are rhetorical questions. Please, you don't have to answer out loud, but you can, in your mind, begin to think about some of these things. First and foremost, do you have income? Uh, before we start talking about finances, you've got to have some, or at least a means to make finances happen. Uh, finances can be many things. I didn't list all of them. Uh, but you, do you have a job? Do you run a business? Are you on Social Security? Do you receive some kind of retirement? Do you have rental properties? So on and so forth. Uh, before we can start talking about financial fitness and health, we got to find out if there are finances flowing. Uh, and if you go, man, I'm always broke, but you don't have no money and you don't have a job or any way to make money, I just solved your problem right there. Uh, here's another question. Do you live paycheck to paycheck are you in debt do you feel like you're drowning this is important to ask yourself some people don't want to face that they'd rather just say well we'll figure that out at another time but if you are in debt you need to recognize it the first step to overcoming a problem is admitting that there is one and so are you in debt are your bills paid are they paid on time somebody said amen what would you do right now if you got a $500 unexpected bill that popped up? Is there something in place for that? Do you have a financial plan, short-term, long-term? Do you have any financial goals? What are you doing right now to achieve those goals? If you're married, do your goals align with your spouse's goals? One of the number one things that, that marriages fight about is finances because they think differently. And, uh, and, and almost always in a marriage, there's a saver and a spender. Can I get an amen from somebody? Now, you might have two savers. That's great. God bless you. Uh, you might have two spenders. We're going to pray for you. Uh, but there are always differences of opinions on how things should be handled because when we get married, we come from two totally different paradigms and backgrounds. Okay. Do you own a home or do you rent a house, an apartment? A, a, a fifth wheel property would you like to own is that even something that you're interested in some people think it's not even possible well I just gave up on it because I never thought it was an option for me we're going to talk about that next week do you have a retirement or are you just planning on your kids taking care of you amen how do you view money is it evil is it good Finances can, be, finances can be a tricky subject to navigate. Everybody is coming from their own paradigm. They're coming from their own experiences, information, things they've been told, things they've been taught. 
Uh, and maybe it's from good experiences. Maybe their parents sat down and gave them an allowance and taught them the value of a dollar. And then there's others uh, that every time they saw their parents talk about money, there was ashtrays being thrown. And there were, there were ceramics that wouldn't, shouldn't be in the house being broken, and, and that's the paradigm I come from. But uh, there's a lot of perspectives and opinions on money. In school, we learn to regurgitate information on tests, yet there is little education on the subject of finances. All right. In 1492, Columbus, how do you pay your taxes? Isn't it interesting that we learned Columbus sails the ocean blue in 1492, but it means nothing to us. And yet, if I remember correctly, I think there might have been one day about finances. One day in my entire education. Now, some of y'all were homeschooled, and uh, though you may not be a sociable, I'm kidding. Uh, you, are, you, are, you are very educated because somebody took the time to teach you. But the rest of us uh, that unfortunately had to get pumped through the system, they didn't teach us anything. They taught us about supply and demand one day for about an hour, and you traded oil for paper dollar bills. And then, uh, then one, day, one day in economics, you just talked about, uh, you know, maybe on a grander scale of the economy, but you didn't really get into the nitty-gritty of how do I pay bills? Hopefully I can help somebody. How do I pay taxes? How do I pay bills? How do I, do, how do I get good credit? How do I not have bad credit? How do I build credit? Amen. Uh, how do I buy a home? What is needed? What kind of down payment do I need? Are there programs? What's the difference between a conventional? Maybe you're in the military. What's the difference between a VA loan? What, what, what options do I have? Amen. How much do I got to make? Do I got to be a millionaire to own a home? They didn't teach that in school. I think that there's a reason that Jesus talked about money more than any other subject he understood the blessing or the burden that it could be in this life. There are many people that are not living life to its fullest, not living for God to, it, to their fullest, because they are so worried about the bills. They're worried about the almighty dollar, and it is a challenge every last one of us has to face. There is nobody that is exempt from the subject of finances. Okay, let's talk about some money misconceptions. Uh, I'm trying to keep myself on time so we can fellowship and have some questions. Here's a misconception. The Bible says money is evil. Has anybody ever heard that? Okay, I, I've heard that a lot. The, the Bible says money's evil. False. 1 Timothy 6 and 10 says the love of money is the root of all evil. Keyword: the love of money. This phrase can be translated into one word. Avarice, which if you speak Spanish and some other languages, that's still used. We don't use that very much in English. But avarice is a love of money already gained, unlike covetousness, which is an active grasping after more. Avarice is to withhold what you, what you have in hopes of keeping it. In other words, avarice or the love of money is stinginess and greed of what we have. It is the, that is the root of of all evil. The world does not have a shortage of food. We do not have a shortage of shelter. We do not have a shortage of materials, of clothes. What we have an abundance of is avarice, of greed, of withholding. And generosity is, in fact, going to be the solution to greed and to this word avarice or the love of money. Man, in fact, uh, this, there's people that want to come up with all sort of social programs. Um, and, and, and the problem with social programs is that they want to forcibly take money out of your pocket to then put to programs. When if there were, I don't want to get cross swords anybody, but if there were appropriate tax breaks, people, they've shown studies that they become more generous because they have more to go and move with. But uh, that's another story for another time. But 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 people view money as evil. And if you have this paradigm, I want to hopefully use the word of God to remind you that money in and of itself is not evil. And money in and of itself is not good. Because how you and I view money makes a major impact on whether or not we have any of it. If you feel 
that money is intrinsically or internally or by its nature evil, you will avoid it at all costs. Especially as good apostolic people that want to follow the Bible, that want to live for God, they want to be, uh, they want to be uh, modest, they want to be uh, all these wonderful characteristics, loving and patient, they want to avoid evil. And when we have this misconception, we think, oh my goodness, I, I, I can't have any of that. And so we live in the bondage of debt, not, really, re not realizing that that was never God's intent for his people. Somebody said amen. If you see money as evil, you will avoid it. But if you see money as a tool to do good, then we will acquire it diligently and we will use it effectively. Amen. A hammer in my hand doesn't mean a whole lot. A hammer in my dad's hand, he could build you a house and do anything with it. You put that tool in somebody's hand that knows how to use it and they will build great things. You put money in the hands of somebody that can diligently operate it and, and work to their best to be ethical and moral with it, and they will build something great with it. You put money in the hands of, I think, I think you know, there are a lot of people out there that have money that are avarice, that are greedy, that don't want to help anybody out. That is, in fact, a case. There are people like that. I think that is all the more reason that God's people who have a spirit of generosity ought to be blessed. Amen? Okay, here's another one. Another reason that people use this to uh, excuse why they have not made changes. Truth be told, they've not learned, they've not grown. It's not because they truly believe this. They've told themselves all these phrases so that they don't have to grow. Amen? You can't buy happiness. Anybody ever heard that? Okay. That is partially true. Well, let's read what the Bible says. Ecclesiastes 10 and 19. I'm going to read part of it. You can go back and read all these verses later if you'd like. Money answereth, answers everything. The King James says, money answereth all things. Amen. Uh, and, and what does that mean? Although you cannot go to the store and purchase a can of happiness, I think that would be wonderful. Amen. How many would like to just, man, I'm having a bad day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and I'm going to buy a can of happiness. And it's just going to make my whole life better. And, and you know what? It's just going to make it's going to make the dog happy because I'm going to pour it in the dog's bowl or the cat's bowl for me because I love cats. Amen. Uh, but, but people say, oh, money doesn't buy happiness. And the people that say that are always the most unhappy people. So somewhere along the lines, they've not found happiness being broke. And they, they want to excuse that, well, I wouldn't be happy either if I had something. Money, in fact, you can't go purchase it as a commodity. You can't go buy happiness. However, your income and what God blesses you with can purchase things that can improve your daily life. Money, although it can't go buy happiness, money can buy you a shelter. It can buy you a house. It can buy you an apartment. And nobody wants to sleep out in the cold. I mean, it's not very happy doing that. Money can buy you food. Anybody like food? I know that's my bane. Please forgive me. That's my, that's my, gluttony is probably my biggest sin. Amen. Money can buy you food. Amen. I think food makes me pretty happy. Amen. Money can buy you a car. Amen. Anybody want to walk everywhere? I know you got foot power. Amen. I, maybe you got to use that foot power and that's why you're in such great shape and the rest of us aren't. But money can buy you a car. If you can't buy a car, it can buy you an Uber. If you can't buy an Uber, it can buy you a bus ticket. If you can't buy a bus ticket, it'll buy you a bike. You'll get somewhere and you'll be able to get around. It can buy you a plane ticket. It can buy you a vacation. Who would like to go on a vacation? I know I would. Amen. Uh, it can buy you hobbies. Amen. I know there's some people in here that love to hunt. Amen. Hallelujah. Looking over this direction. I know there's other people that like to acquire baby clothes and other things like that. And uh, there's some people that love to buy camo. And I don't understand camo yet, but maybe I will as I live in Nevada longer. But there's all these different things. Some people like motorcycles. Some people like dirt bikes. Uh, everybody's got Some people love fishing. Some people love hunting. There's all these different things. Well, guess what? You can't do any of those without money. Man, now you could be... Maybe go out and sharpen a stone and go hunting if you'd like, uh, but it'd be a little harder to enjoy that hobby. All these things can contribute to somebody's quality of life, and guess what? Their overall happiness. So money can't buy a can of happiness, but money can help you have a happier life. Somebody said amen. 
All right, let's talk about number three, misconception number three. People that have money, people that are rich, people that are wealthy are. You can fill in the blank. When I say that, there are immediately words. Now, some people look down on mine, and they saw some words, and they immediately said, yep, that's what I thought. Here's a, here's a scenario. You have three people that speed past you. One's in a Ferrari. They speed past you, red Ferrari. What's the first thought that goes through your mind? Some might think, what a jerk. Right? There's another person driving a Corolla, and they drive past you, and they're flying. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? They're trying to go to work. Depends on where you're at. See, everybody's going to think a little different. Now, some of you might say, well, they're still a jerk. You know, they're still rude. I don't know if that's an appropriate word for church. I don't know. I, I wouldn't read in church. But uh, they're, they're, they're a meanie. How about that one? Um, and then there's somebody drives by in a hoopty, and, uh, and it sputters past you, and, and there's smoke going everywhere. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Man, that person's on drugs. <laughs> okay. Now, somebody's thinking, man, I drive that car. Hey, I drove the hoopty. I leaked so much oil on the church parking lot, they had to drill for it. America invaded our church parking lot. But, um, and so, so I know what it is to drive a hoopty, but I, I also remember what it is to get pulled over because they thought I was a drug dealer. And uh, every time I got pulled over, it was never because I was speeding. It was never because I did anything wrong. I obeyed the laws of the land. I drove right, but they were like, you got any drugs in the car? Well, I bought that car for $200 off of a guy that my mom met at the bar, and I didn't have it registered yet, so I said, no, there's no drugs in the car. And then I thought logically, because that's how my brain is, and I thought, well, you know, if there's any in here, they're not mine. <laughs> and so, <laughs> not a good thing to say to a police officer. But, but suffice it to say, suffice it to say, what do you think when you see somebody with money? Often, our paradigm, it, 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 it plays into that. You see somebody driving by, in a brand new sports car, and you think, oh, my goodness, what, he has no time for anybody. What a, what a jerk. What a meanie. What, whatever you want to put in there. When the truth is, he probably runs four businesses. He's probably late to a business meeting. He's trying to get there. He's got to take care of all these things so that all of his employees can work, right? The middle class person, they're probably late to work. And guess what? The guy in the hoopty's probably late to work, too. But we all have a perception of them. Okay? So let's fill this in. People that are wealthy, people that have money are greedy. That's why they got it. They're greedy. Well, if everybody that has money is greedy, you don't want money because you're not greedy, right? They're lucky because we live in Nevada and gambling's everywhere. But somehow they rolled the dice and they got lucky. Well, if you can chalk it up to luck, then it has nothing to do with hard work. It has nothing to do with ethics. It has nothing to do with morals. It has nothing to do with principles. They're crooks. They're too proud. Amen. Well, guess what? It depends. Some people are too proud. Some people are greedy. Some people are crooks. Some people really did get lucky in life. Amen. Time and chance happens to us all. Amen. Some people really did get born into a family where they could take out a small million-dollar loan. But what did they end up doing with it? Amen. You might have been born into a home where they were on food stamps, but what did you do with it? I know what I did with it. I sold food at school, um, and I made some cash. I was a hustler. I took the food stamp money. I made cash off of it. That's what you got to do. You got to take, take food stamp and make some cash. Amen. You got you to take where you're at and do something with it. Amen. Don't ever take where you are and say, well, I'm going to blame where I am today on what happened to me yesterday. What you had happen yesterday had, was all full of problems, but guess what? It was full of opportunities, and you've got to be willing to take the opportunities and say, okay, maybe I wasn't dealt the right hand in life. Maybe I don't feel very lucky, uh, or you can flip it on its head and say, man, I'm so lucky that I had to work for everything I got because I learned principles that will continue to bless me in life, and somebody said amen. Let's read Deuteronomy 8 and 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Don't ever forget, it is God that gives us abilities. It is God that gives us life. It is God that gives us breath. And although you might have started at a different level than somebody else, don't ever use that as an excuse to say, well, I can't come up one level. Uh, you might have been that person that you feel like the Lord only gave you one talent. 
He only gave you one thing. Well, do something with it. Get to two. If at the end of your life you can say, I got to two and I handed my kid two, you've done more than your parents did for you. And somebody said amen. God has given us all abilities that if we leverage them properly, it will bless us financially. The Bible's chock full of people that God gave them wisdom and understanding and all sorts of craftsmanship. There are people in this church right now that are artistic, that have abilities uh, that, that would blow our mind. And, and maybe it's not that you don't have abilities, but maybe it's you've yet to pray and get understanding on how you can leverage that ability. Amen. There's people that maybe you are really good with kids, and, uh, and it's really a gift that God has given you. I know people in my home church that this was the case. And, uh, and they decided, you know what, I, I, I want to be at home with my kids, uh, and I'm good with kids, so they opened an in-home daycare. And before it was all said and done, they had three or four daycares. And they leveraged a gift that God had given them. And guess what? It took care of them. They were saying, God, you gave me this ability. You gave me this gift. I'm going to do something with it. Money is amoral. What that means is it doesn't have any intrinsic moral principles. It is neither good nor bad. Wealth or a lack thereof doesn't define someone's moral character. You can never look at somebody and say, well, they're broke. They must be bad people. Or they're wealthy, so they must be greedy. They must be wicked. You can't ever do that. All money does is magnify what somebody already is. In other words, if somebody is generous when they don't have much, they're more likely to be generous when they do have more than enough. Amen. If you, if you, if you say, well, one day when I have a billion dollars, then I'm going to do something. If you won't do it with a hundred, you won't do it with a billion. There's a lot more zeros there. Uh, those that those those with wealth have done a lot of good in history to help advance us as a society. What would we be able to do if we were all broke? I could tell you a few things that would happen if every one of us had zero. Uh, we wouldn't be in a building tonight. <laughs> There'd be no lights. We wouldn't have heat, and uh, all of us would be scavenging and looking for food uh, in, in in the dumpsters in the back of this building. Hallelujah. Thank God that that's not the case. But because people have allowed God to bless them, they have been a blessing. And that is why we as a church have continued to grow. So don't look down on that. Say, God, if you did it for them, I, I want you to do it for me too. Amen. If you can bless them, you can bless me. If God, God blesses your neighbor, guess what that means? He's in the neighborhood. Amen. If he blessed the person on the seat next to you, Guess what? That means he's on your row. And I said this at the financial meeting on last Wednesday. If you know somebody, uh, whether in the church or out of the church, that is doing well, don't embarrass them. Please don't embarrass them. If they're willing to talk, um, ask them questions. Uh, ask them, what did you do? I would not even be near where I am today or, or close had I not got around people that knew more than me. I'm not afraid to look like an idiot. I, I do that a lot. <laughs> Amen. I, I will be the first to admit I don't know very much, let alone everything. And I like to get around people that are smarter than me because they can help me to figure out things that maybe would have taken me 30 or 40 years of mistakes to figure out. Amen. Find somebody and say, you know what? I admire what you are. I admire what you've done. Uh, in, and you could do this in all levels, whether they're doing something well spiritually. Ask them, what are you doing? Uh, or if you can tell, man, they've been doing something right financially. What did you do? Well, I stayed at my job. I was faithful. I paid into a 401k. I did all. You can find a lot of good nuggets of wisdom, and you can glean them. And somebody said, praise the Lord. Okay. Salary or income equals security. How much I make will make me secure. False. Ecclesiastes 5 and 10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money nor he who loves wealth with his income. Because the moment you think, well, when I get to that level, I'm going to be satisfied. Nope. He even says, this is just vanity. When goods increase, guess what? When you have more money, you have more bills. You know, there's people envy people with a lot of money, and they go, man, I wish if I had, well, then you'd have their responsibilities. You'd have their stress. You'd have their bills. Amen. They increase who eat them. Amen. There's just all these little, there's always little things. Uh, here's one we're going to be talking about on the third week. We're going to talk about a little bit taxes. Anybody heard of a tax bracket? 
Well, I, I want a raise. And that raise just lost you $2,500 a year. And uh, praise God, you just jumped into another tax bracket. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. But, uh, but, but there's so many things there. Amen. And so as that increases, there are tax brackets that increase. There are bills that increase. And then it continues on. And it says, amen, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his own eyes? In other words, to see all that gain and all that increase disappearing. Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the, the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Now, there's a lot there. We don't have time to talk about all of it. Uh, but I can take one principle from this. If you are working as hard as you can, and you are doing your best, amen, you can say, wherever I am, I may, not, I may not be there yet, but Paul put it this way, I have learned in whatsoever manner I am therewith to be content, amen. You can be content, but not satisfied, amen. Content says, you know what, right now I've learned to be content right here, but I am still believing God for more. Men, don't think that one day when I get to this area or this level that everything's going to be taken care of because there will be more bills, more responsibilities, other things. And, uh, and so, hallelujah. Amen. But our, our financial hopes should not be tied up in a hypothetical future. Ooh, when I make $1 million, then I'll be happy. Well, sometimes with that mindset, you'll never get there uh, because you're pursuing the wrong thing. Amen. And so... When I get that raise, I'll get out of debt. Well, what are you doing right now? Because when you get that raise, uh, often there's going to be other things. Maybe you jump up a tax bracket. There's other uh, little, uh, little boxes that spoil that vine. People that live by biblical principles can thrive wherever they are. You might be making minimum wage tonight, and you think, well, I don't know if I can thrive at that level. Absolutely. You may not be at somebody else's level and may not have what they have but with where you are can you say i am laboring can you sleep well at night knowing i am working as hard as i can amen i i am a laborer and i'm going to have some sweet sleep tonight because i am doing the best that i can amen number five everything will work itself out with money that's false with relationships that's false. With life, that's false. Amen. Proverbs 12 and 27. Whoever is slothful or lazy will not even roast his game. He won't even cook his dinner. But the diligent man will get precious wealth. Amen. Every aspect of life takes work. We all have to get used to that. It's difficult. Relationships take work. Education takes work. Employment takes work. Financial stability takes work. It will not just work itself out. You and I have to work it out. If we choose to be slothful or lazy and then call it faith, we are just deceiving ourselves. We must be diligent about our financial health. It takes constant improvement and adjustment. Ask my wife. I'm always putting together a new spreadsheet, and it bothers her to death. But I just, I, I always want to say, man, can I save a little bit on the, on the, uh, on the Wi-Fi bill, they raised that fifteen dollars. I'm tick. I'm sick of that. We don't need Wi-Fi. We got phones. You know, um, is there anything else? So there's always things that we can improve on. Man, you know what? I'm not going out to eat this week. All right, because I'm going to save this. And uh, these are the plans. These are the goals. Amen. Uh, I, I don't want to ever say it's just going to work itself out. Amen. I've been guilty of doing that before in my life, and it never turns out well. Hallelujah. Okay, let's move on because I do. We're going to get to some fellowship here in a moment. Trying to get us done. A little after eight. So uh, five biblical rules for financial success. If you apply these, amen, if you apply these over time, you will have financial success. And you have to start where you are. Number one, everybody say this, be a giver. Everybody has to do this. This is not, this is for the preacher and, and for everyone else. This is a key of life. People that don't even serve God have this revelation, this understanding. Amen. And that's why they call it philanthropy. People with a lot of money, they give away. Some people are right now have goals to give away all their money, and even if they gave away a billion dollars a day, they couldn't give it away. Amen. They're, they're trying, but every time they try to give it away, it just keeps coming back. Amen. 
Uh, that's, that's a secret of light. Malachi 3 and 10, we talked about this last week. I'm not going to read all of it. Uh, Bring ye all the tithes in the storehouse. He said, prove me herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will open the windows of heaven. I'll pour out a blessing, and there shall not be room enough to receive it. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Anybody ever felt like you just had just money being siphoned out of your account? Amen. I know I'm not the only one. And you don't know where it's going. It's like, man, all of a sudden this bill pops up and that bill pops up. And, man, the, I had this happen last year. My transmission broke. I about had the car paid off, and I had to put $4,000 into it. So I know what that feels like. Some, it's just like, man, and, and, and there's moments where I've done this with my wife. We were evangelizing. We didn't know how we were going to make it to the next revival. And uh, I, turned, I turned to my wife. I said, you know what? We have been paying tithes. We've been paying offering. We've been doing sacrificial giving. We don't even go to my home church anymore, but we still do it. And I, I said, all right, we're going to pray right now. We're going to pray, God, we're going to prove you. We've been doing this. We've been faithful. We put you as our priority. And I turned to my wife in that truck that was costing us a lot of money and gas and a lot of money per month, amen, and commercial insurance and everything. And I leaned over. I said, let's pray. I said, God, we, we need you to prove this right now. We need you to come through. We need you to rebuke the devourer, amen. And God did it that very Nice. Somebody just slapped $500 in my wife's hand and, and said, I don't know why, I'm just going to give this to you. And he did it time after time after time. Amen. In other words, God was saying, if you are faithful as a giver, I'm going to be faithful to you, and I will rebuke the devourer. Can I just say this? Giving is spiritual warfare. Amen. Giving is spiritual warfare. Don't ever miss that. Amen. Giving is spiritual warfare. Proverbs 3 and 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce, and your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Uh, you go through your Bible, do a study for yourself. You'll find it. God is over and over again trying to prove to his people, I will take care of you. When you don't give, you're saying, I will take care of me. But when you give, you're saying, God, I need you to take care of me. A few things that happen when you give. Uh, if you want to write some of these down. Now, some I've wrote, written down, but if you'd like, you can certainly write this down. When you are a giver, you are putting God first. Amen. You are saying, God, I am, I am putting you as number one. The second thing you do is you are learning how to live with a, within a budget, and you didn't even know it. Amen. Because when you give a percentage of your income, what you're saying is that is gone. You are now learning how to take care of I'm going to financially plan my week, my month, my year by setting that aside. You're learning finances just by obeying the word of God. Somebody said amen. Okay, let's talk about this for just a moment. A scarcity mindset versus an abundance mindset. If there's one thing that I've seen people struggle with through the years, uh, not just here but throughout, this is one of the biggest struggles people have. And often it comes from the deficiencies they had as a kid. They think that all they have is all there is. Okay, if I were to open up your wallet today, you might have $100. I got a question. Is that all the money there is in the world? Now, that might be all the money you have in your bank account. That might be all the money you have in your wallet, but that is not all the money there is. And I, that, I just blew somebody's mind right there. I know that sounds so simple, but sometimes the simple answer is the right answer. When we understand it might not be in my account right now, but it's available, now money becomes a game, and I have to figure out how I can get it out of this area and into my wallet or into my bank account. Amen. When you see it from the standpoint of scarcity, you won't even try because it's not there. It's not available. Why even try? I'll get denied. I'll get declined. It'll ju I just might as well quit and give up. But when you understand that there is not a lack of resources in the world, amen, and let me just put it this way. When you're a giver, there is not a lack of resource in God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, amen. He, what he's saying is I own it all. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, amen. Uh, and I could put it from our standpoint as a church, we may not own the building yet, amen, but there is a building out there. And at the right moment, at the right season, when we got our money uh, right where it needs to be for all of the things we need to do, God's going to open up the door, amen. And he owns the world. He even owns the people in the world, amen. And so in other words, I don't have to worry about a limitation. There is no limitation, a amen. Somebody, t somebody said that to your neighbor. There is no limitations, 
There are no limitations. There is no scarcity. You might be in a current moment where you feel like there's a scarcity, but there is no scarcity. i got to balance this out, though. Does that mean you go and just start swiping? No, no, no. We'll talk about budgets in a moment. You don't just go out and go swiping. Amen. That's not faith. That's stupidity. You don't have the money to pay it back. But when you stop thinking about it, and I put it down here, living life with an open hand. A, a giver is somebody who has lived life with an open hand. God can put it in, and God can take it out. He can add. He can take away. It's right there. Amen. I've been broke, and I've done well. I can be broke again if he wants. That's all right. But, Lord, my hand's open. If you, feel, if you see fit to bless me, if you know that it's going to help me be a blessing, amen, never forget why you are blessed. You are blessed to be a blessing. And somebody said amen. But if you ever have anything to pray about, Amen. Every time you give, amen, put, put your offering in there, put your tithe, all that, and say, God, help me to understand that there is an abundance out there. Amen. And God, would you direct me? Would you open up opportunities? You might be making minimum wage, and you think that's all there is. I want you to know there's a lot of jobs out there. There's a lot of opportunity to open businesses. And now it's no longer, is there a scarcity? Is there a shortage? There is no scarcity. There is no shortage. Now your prayers begin to change. God, help me to find where the abundance is. Amen. Help me to find where the storehouse might be. Amen. If I'm making minimum wage right now, amen, God, I, I'm faithful. Would you help me open up a door? And you might be working at, at a drive-thru or a fast food or something like that. And all of a sudden, somebody comes through that drive-thru, and they're driving a nice Ferrari. You don't look down on them because, you know, maybe they're doing something right. And they go, I really like you. Hey, come by and see me sometime. I'd like you to work for me. There, there's, there's all sorts of opportunities. But when we live in a scarcity mindset, what we tell ourselves is there's no opportunity there's no hope, and we give up right there. But givers, amen, they live from an abundant mindset. Let me, let me help you biblically real quick. There's a widow woman that says in a scarcity mindset, I only have enough meal to make bread for me and my son, and then we're going to die. Amen. Some people, that that's how the scarcity mindset is. I'm going to get through this week after this paycheck. I don't know what's going to happen. We're just going to die. And the man of God comes by and says, feed me first. You put God in the picture. You put God in the picture, and the Bible she says, she's, well, I, I don't have enough for you. I, scarcity mindset. But something shifted in that moment. She went from a scarcity mindset, said, you know what? At this point, if I keep doing what I'm doing in my scarcity mindset, we will only have enough meals for me and my son, and then we will, in fact, die in the middle of this famine because everybody's dying right now. But Jesus even said that only that woman and her son survived the famine. There was a lot of widows, Jesus said, but only one woman of Sarepta made it out. Why? Because in the middle of that, she got beyond the scarcity mindset, and she did what she knew was right. She took care of God first, and God took care of her over and over and over again. Let me help you with another biblical example. I got more of these than we got time. Amen. There was I Isaac, who the Bible says, in the time of famine, he sowed. Amen. I, I want you to know that that mindset, it blows people away. They don't know how to think like that. Amen. In a time when we should be locking down, shutting down, and, and stopping, we should just, we just seal up and close off the vents and, and, and just stop the faucet from flowing, and they want to quit. He said, well, you know what? I'm going to take this seed, which is only good for two things, planting and eating. And he said, I'm not going to eat this. I'm going to plant this. And the Bible says that in the famine, because he said, I'm going to live not with what is surrounding me with a scarcity mindset. I know there's people right now that, that this is where they're at. They're thinking, there's no way I could start that business that God has been speaking to me about because the economy is upside down. Amen. Well, if you just say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this one. Amen. I'm going to put faith in you. Some of the greatest businesses that have been started have come from uh, tumultuous times. Amen. And they've come out of the Great Depression. And, and there was people that saw an opportunity, and they jumped on that opportunity. They sowed in a time of famine. And guess what? They said, I'm not going to live in a scarcity mindset. I'm going to live in abundance. And God blessed them. Praise God. Okay. Number two. Act your wage. Somebody say that. Act your wage. Second Corinthians 10 and 12. They measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. We are living in a dangerous time. The age of comparison. Beware of social media. 
Beware of observation. Beware of people's highlight reel. Because it looks like everything's peachy. And everything's great. But we don't get the full story. Amen. And to think that you are supposed to be at their level where you are is not fair to them and it's not fair to you. Amen. Status quo. Well, it's, that's the status quo. Got to keep up with the Joneses. Amen. No, you don't. You got to keep up with God, what God has put in your life. Who said that's the status quo? Who made that the, the, the I have made it, I have arrived level? You know your level. You know your finances. Don't compare yourself amongst yourself. Amen. Don't, don't say, man, I just, if I could just be like them, that would make everything better in my life. Until you get there and you realize it didn't make any difference. Amen. Number three, uh, get on a budget. So what, what, what hinders a lot of people, what gets people in debt, what gets people away from a budget is that they have found themselves falling into number, uh, amen, they found themselves falling into number two. Please forgive me. I'm sorry, this is number four. It's supposed to be number four, and I messed that one up. That's all right. Um, and so uh, they, they get on to this comparative. They start comparing themselves among themselves, and so they start buying things they can't afford to impress people they don't like. People they don't even know. They take vacations they can't afford so they can post on Instagram. And they, they put it on credit. And they went broke to do it because I got I to gotta appear to everybody else that I'm, I've arrived. You don't have to impress anybody. Live where you are. Be what you are. Amen? If you can go on that vacation, praise God. Don't be ashamed of it. Go on that vacation. Please don't miss church. <laughs> go on it. Go on it. Have a good time. Spend time with your family. Amen. Uh, but, but, but other people, that if you can't do it, that's all right. Don't go. Don't go to try to impress somebody. Amen. But, but that leads to number three. Get on a budget. Luke 14 and 20. Which of you intending to build a tower, a house, a business, even a life, a marriage, whatever you want to put in there, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Well, Jesus, uh, I'd like to tell you the answer to that. There's a lot of people that don't sit down and uh, count the cost, unfortunately, because not everybody believes in a budget. Every business person has to have a budget. Amen. There's contractors here in this church. You've got to tell people your quote, and in your quote, you have to have a budget. Every individual you may not look at your budget, but every time you swipe your card, guess what? You have a budget. <laughs> you may not manage that budget or ever look at that budget, but every time you swipe your card, you're saying, it's in the budget. It's in the budget. Proverbs 21 and 20, a foolish man devours all that he has. Well, I make $100 this week, and I spent 110 You're going to go broke really fast. I had $100 this week, and I spent $99.99. You got a penny. Well, I got to get gas, so what do you do now? And then we go and get credit cards, and we'll talk about that next week, to try to supplement lifestyle. Now, here's the deal. Here's the thing about budget. Whether you are a billionaire, maybe not a billionaire, but whether you are a $10-er or a millionaire, everybody's got to figure out what their budget is, because if not, uh, and this is important. You've got to look at your bank statements. Let the banker for nine years come out. You've got to look at your bank statements. The banks are probably robbing you $20 a month. Bet you watch it. Go down. Look it up. You didn't, for some reason, you didn't set up a savings account with a transfer of $25, so they're charging you $10 a month. And that $10 a month for some people is the difference between whether they got gas to get to church or not. You got to go in and you got to figure out what that is. But if you don't look at your statement, you won't know that you're being charged. Uh, and, and, and I think it's an important deal. Uh, the Bible talks about the money can grow wings and fly away as a bird. If you aren't paying attention to it, somebody put it best. They said, if you don't tell money where to go, it'll go away. And a budget, a budget is not a bad word. Let me help somebody. Budget is not a bad word. It's a good word. Budget is saying it, 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 we have money. We just don't have money for that. Here's, some, here's a phrase uh, that, that, that can change the psyche of people. We can't afford it. Please, that's a scarcity mindset. Remove that from your vocabulary. It's too expensive. Remove that from your vocabulary. Here's a better one for you. It's not in the budget. Amen. 
you may not have enough money for that, let's just throw this out there, random, maybe nobody wants this, that Ferrari, but it is not too expensive. It might currently be, but you don't want to have a scarcity mindset that says, I'll never be able to. Oh, I can't buy a house, it's too expensive. Well, then you'll never own a house. I can't buy a car, it's just too expensive. No, better yet, it's not in the budget. Here's the beautiful thing. If you want it to be in the budget, you can put it in the budget. Amen. Hallelujah. And so when you have a budget, it's not a bad word. It's a good word. What you're saying is we're going to tell our money where to go. Amen. We're going we're gonna to start, start orchestrating. Okay, $10 is going to go over there. $10 is going to go over there. And, and what we'll actually find out is we have more money than we actually knew we had because now we're accounting for it. The rich don't get rich by the hundreds, and the poor don't get poor by the hundreds. Everybody gets rich or poor by $1. Is there any reason why uh, people go and right in the very exit of the checkout line, it gets some of us all the time. I'll throw myself there, and I think, man, I could sure use a Kit Kat right now. Uh, and, 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 and I think, oh, it's just a dollar. Well, $1 becomes 2 $2 becomes 3 $3 becomes 4 $4 becomes 5 5 10 50 and you just go up and start sounding like an auction and sold. You're broke. You gotta you gotta think, okay, is it in the budget? When you actually get on a budget, you free yourself. You free yourself to live. You want to go on vacation? Well, I can't go on a vacation. It's too expensive. No, it's not. Have you budgeted for it? Well, you have an extra $25 a month that you didn't realize you had. Or maybe uh, I dealt with people all the time and I would work with them on their on their on their account statements. And they go, I just don't know where all my money goes. And I'd said, Well, Starbucks. Netflix. Hopefully, if you're apostolic, you don't have Netflix. Um, if you do, I'll save you probably 30 bucks a month. Amen. And uh, Hulu, and they got all these different things, and there's all these subscriptions, and I didn't realize they were taking that out. That's why they put you on a pay automatically, because then you forget about it. You don't know. Before it's all said and done, you, uh, here's another one, uh, uh, and I know sometimes we have to do it. Storage units. Okay? Sometimes you got to do it. But why are you storing and paying for stuff you already own? You own it outright. It's yours. Why are you paying every month for stuff you don't look at, you'll never use? Here's a great idea to help the budget. That'll save you 100 bucks a month. Go to the storage unit, clear it out, and have a garage sale. You just got a profit. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, get on a budget. We must have a financial plan because those that fail to plan, plan to fail. Here's another one you can write down uh, that you can't manage what you don't measure. How do you know if you're being financially successful? If you don't measure it, you can't manage it. Well, I just don't know where it's going. Well, sit down, and it might be, it might be scary at first, but sit down. You'll see deposits, and you'll see withdrawals. And if your withdrawals are more than your deposits, there's a problem. And you need to start removing some of those withdrawals and say, okay, you know what? This month I can do without and you fill in the blank. Amen? It's about cash flow versus expenses. What's coming in versus what's going out. That's a, it's as simple as that. You can go on your phone. You can get apps about budget. There's all sorts of them. They're free. Uh, if you're like me and you like to create your own spreadsheet, you can do it. Uh, if, you like to, if you like to get more intense, you can utilize Quicken, QuickBooks. It'll automatically pull over all of your data from your bank account, your credit card, whatever the case may be, and it will tell you what you spent in that month. It'll categorize it for you. So you can say, man, I should stop going to Chick-fil-A. They shouldn't open in Carson City. Amen? Pray for me, church. Pray for me. All right, number four. We're going to talk more about this next week. Everybody say this, get out of debt. Proverbs 22 and 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is, say it, the borrower is slave of the lender. The borrower is a what? Who wants to be a slave? Who wants to be free? Amen. Now, here's the deal. Some people will talk about this next week. Well, I, I, I did this. I'm here. What do I do? Okay, we'll talk about that next week. All right, debt equals slavery. Now, here's the deal. Is all debt bad debt? We'll talk a little bit more about that this next week. This is just the overview. Is it an asset or a liability? An asset is something that brings you money. A liability is something that costs you money. Liability, storage unit. My car. Well, does your car cost you more money than it makes you? 
Is it an asset or a liability? Now, it might be a depreciating asset where it means it, it might have been worth ten grand last year, but this year it's worth nine. But the question is, does it get you to work? Is it reliable? Well, if you can answer, say, well, this year it made me, you know, 30 grand because I got to work every day. Well, that's an asset. Amen. Now, if the car costs you 50 grand a year, that's a liability. Amen. And so, uh, is, it a, is it a true debt? Are you truly a slave to your car? We'll talk about that next week. Okay, number five, save and invest. Proverbs 21 and 20, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all that he has. People that budget, people that get out of debt, people that have, uh, that have not compared themselves amongst themselves, people that have uh, made sure that they live in their wage, they're not afraid of that. They are also givers. Those are the people that have extra. They live in the abundance. They live in the overflow. And they are able to then save. They are able to invest. Amen. Proverbs 13 and 22, a good man leaveth an inheritance for his children and his children's children. And the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Amen. People that don't live by biblical principles, they just throw their money away. And those that are wise, they say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gather some of that. Some of it's going to be stored away. Some of it's going to be spent. Some's going to be invested. Amen. Start small. And we're going to talk about this at the very end. Uh, pay yourself. Remember, you've got a lot of bills to pay. Uh, you've got other responsibilities. But don't forget about you. Amen. Plan for your future. How do you plan to retire? We'll talk about that in the third week. How do you plan to retire? Well, I just think that, that, that there will be money flowing in. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. You've got to make preparations. Well, Social Security, there's no guarantee you'll have Social Security. So uh, there's, there's things that we have to look at, and we've got to start making preparations. Okay, here's a good man. If you want to look him up, hopefully this next year we'll be able to do uh, Financial Peace University, which is 12 weeks, and uh, there's somebody that probably could teach that a billion times better than me, and I'd love for them to step forward and do it. Uh, but Dave Ramsey has seven baby steps for financial freedom. Okay, where do I start? Where do I start? Just the basics. Where do I start? Uh, you Maybe you're not at the level of investing. You're not at the level where you're thinking about retirement. Maybe you're thinking, man, I just, I'm in debt. I got problems. Okay, first and foremost, I asked a question. What would happen if you had a $500 bill right now? And, and there's people that tonight thought, oh, I would be under. I'd have, to, I'd have to donate blood. I'd have to... I'd have to go to the payday loan place, and it's 700% interest, and I'd, and, and I'd be in more debt, and it would just be a problem. Okay, here's step number one. He said, save $1,000 for an emergency fund. Amen. Then, number two, pay off debt by snowballing. We'll talk about that next week. Start with the smallest debt and pay it off. Take that payment, put it towards the next smallest debt, so on and so forth, until now on your largest debt you are paying off. All these little minimum payments have stacked up, and it's one giant payment. Somebody said amen. S after that, save three to six months of your expenses. What happens if you break a leg? What are you going to do? Next, invest 15% of your income into retirement. Those of you that have a great job with a 401K, they might have a match. Amen. If they have a match, whatever you do, please add to that match. It's like if they say we'll give you 5% if you put in 5%. It's like seeing a $10 bill on the ground and not picking it up. Put 5% in. Amen. Learn to live under that 5%. There's other things. Roth IRAs, mutual funds. Other people can explain these a lot better than me. We'll talk about that the third week. Uh, save for your child's college. Some people don't have kids. They don't have kids in college. Uh, you can fill this in with something different or move on to the next one. Major future expenses. Maybe it's something you're looking at down the road. Uh, number, number six, pay off your home early. Or maybe one of these plans for those that don't own is, I want to own. I want to stop renting and paying somebody else's mortgage off. Guess what? If you apply biblical principles, you can do that. Uh, number seven, build wealth. After you've gotten done with all these little steps, mind you, these steps might take you 25 years. It might take somebody three years to save $1,000. That's all right. Just don't stop trying. Build wealth and then be a giver like never before. Because people that have no debts, they have nothing but assets, they have nothing but cash flow, have the ability to say, man, you know what? I could take care of that. That's not a problem. Yeah, I've got, I've got enough re a residual income coming in from all my investments. Yeah, let's pay for that. Amen. How many would like to be in that position? I believe it's possible. Amen. Praise God. Brother Lavo, did anybody fill out a question card? No? Okay. Praise God. I got, I got, one, uh, I got a few questions that I'm going to be answering next week. Um, and it has to do with how do you get a good credit score. We'll talk about that next week. Is it possible to refinance student loan at a lower interest rate? 
Okay, what about refinancing my house? I'm going to answer those next week. And somebody said amen. Did anybody want to ask a question? Brother, if you kill the live stream, anybody else have a question they want to ask? No? Oh, and there's more questions that were put in the box. Awesome. Well, we'll get to some of those. If we didn't answer your question, please fill out a question. You might have something that needs to be answered. We'll answer that for you in Jesus' name.